Hi, folks. Uh, thanks for joining us on Liberty Online this morning. Uh, again, uh, thank you for supporting the ministries of Liberty Grace. I pray that you are staying engaged in the Word of God and, and that one day we'll be able to spend some time together here at the church. Um, stay tuned for some new adjustments to how we're going to be conducting services and some things that, that we want to do to ensure your safety. Um, and that, that we're thinking about who you are and, and how we can get back together in the most practical and beneficial ways. Uh, here are a couple of other announcements that are coming out this month. Uh, I hope you'll stay tuned for the sermon after this. Hey, one way that you can partner with our community organizations, Backyard Ministries delivers to 60 homes twice a month in the Prospect neighborhood, and we're going to help assist them by continuing to collect some cookies, some fruit bars, ramen noodles, those kinds of things. You can deliver those to the airlock here at the church, and uh, they will be distributed, like I said, twice a month, along with Bible studies for the kids and adults and getting the Word of God into people's hands, as well as some encouragement through some snacks and things. If you would be willing to do that, I'd sure appreciate it. On top of that, if you would be willing or if God is pulling you into something a little more and you would like to help administrate this and be the liaison between Backyard Ministries and Liberty Grace, I'd love to hear from you so that we can talk further about our engagement in the community through Backyard Ministries. Hey everyone, it's cold outside, so it's a good time for soup. So Thursday, February 18th, our teens will be selling some soup here at the church from 4 to 6 p.m. Unlike previous years, everything this year will be takeout. So just swing by the church on your way home and grab some soup to take home for dinner. We'll have a wide variety of soups, so you can come in and choose what you'd like, or we'll post uh, online ahead of time what we have, and you can text or call us, and we can bring it out to you curbside. All soup is by donation, and all donations will go towards the Veracity Momentum Fund, which helps our teens to get to Momentum Youth Conference this summer, which Momentum is our, our big national youth conference, and uh, our teens love it, and your donations really help them to lower the cost. So think about it, put it on your calendar, February 18th, 4 to 6 p.m., help support our teens by buying some soup. Hi, folks. You know, we've been walking through this series called Transformational Faith. And the idea is that, that there is something that needs to be transforming inside of us. And we've been looking at individuals throughout the, the scriptures to give us examples of how to do it and, and what it looks like when it's done uh, pleasing to God. And so as we continue in this, we want you to be reminded to, to follow along on version as well. If you so choose, this event's available all week that you can go back and, and look at the passage of scriptures. Um, version is an app on your phone or tablet that, that we do a live event. So inside of the events tab, you'll see Liberty Grace and you'll find most of the scriptures that we use uh, throughout our Sunday morning services that you could reread and follow along and do some more study. Today, I want to look at a guy whose life was radically changed by Jesus and 
as we enter into some of these New Testament characters and look at their faith and how it was stretched and moved and transformed, uh, we're going to start with a story about a group of men, a few men here led by a man named Saul. And this group of individuals, these Jewish leaders and, and men of the faith, um, they studied, they sacrificed. You would say that they followed God with their lives. But in studying the scriptures and developing the system that was common to the Jewish faith at that time, they developed a picture of the deliverer that was to come that didn't look anything like Jesus. And so the development in their minds of the system of religion at the time couldn't exist alongside of who Jesus was as he came to the nation of Israel and, and to the Jews specifically to deliver them into eternity. The guy that we're going to look at is, is Saul, and some of you will know his given name better as Paul. He becomes Paul, the New Testament author, and you need to understand where he started. And so this story that we're going to begin with comes right after a man named Stephen. A Stephen had tried to convince these religious officials and others by his own testimony that Jesus was the Messiah. He had been crucified, had died, and was risen again for their salvation. And that God was doing something different now by way of Jesus' sacrifice. And that this was the deliverer that was promised to them throughout all of the Old Testament. But these men did not believe Stephen. They called him a blasphemer. They held tightly to their religious beliefs and to their transactional faith in that moment, and they stoned him. So these men, led by Saul, stoned Stephen, and that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea, and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged both men and women and put them in prison. So Saul, this young man that stood presiding over the stoning of Stephen, is the man that we're going to pursue his radical transformation today. Saul's also written a number of other letters, as you know, like I said, he becomes Paul and, and is his transformation is complete. He lists the reasons why he is where he is. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 6, he, he lists all of his religious accomplishments, his incredibly detailed um, affiliations with the Jewish religious community. He was a Pharisee. He was born at the right time into the right family. He was literally believing at this moment 
that he was born for this role, to persecute the church, to put down any belief in this man named Jesus. He believed that he had been brought to this place and for such a time as this. He had been raised to believe this was going to be his role in the world. And Saul took it upon himself to begin this persecution of the church. He's dragging men and women out of their homes and putting them in prison for following Jesus. That's where we pick up the story. And he he finds his character continue to be developed in this way. He's been raised up in the religious system and he wholeheartedly gives his passion to it. We skip down to chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So Saul, having spent his entire life in preparation for this moment, was persecuting the church, had gotten letters to go to another region of Damascus, was going to go there to drag more men and women back to put them in prison at Jerusalem when Jesus interrupted it. Saul was riding on the road to Damascus when this bright light from heaven flashes all around around him, strikes him blind. He falls to the ground and asks, who are you? And Jesus speaks to him and says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And Saul's life is radically changed from that moment on. From believing entirely in this one system to now being blinded in the presence of Jesus, being brought into his presence immediately here, Jesus tells him, you've got to stop persecuting me. Go into the city of Damascus and wait. So, Saul is struck blind because Jesus interrupts his life. He goes into the city of Damascus where it is revealed to him that he's to wait for a man named Ananias. And Ananias will come to him and tell him what to do and who it is that Jesus is going to make him into. What Jesus wants to choose to do with Saul. Saul goes into the city, and in verse 10, he's waiting, 
still blinded, not able to eat, losing his strength. In verses 10 to 16 of Acts chapter 9, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named Tars from Tarshish named Saul. For he is praying and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come, place hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has not come here with the authority. Has he not come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name? But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and the kings to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias hears from Jesus as well. Jesus comes to Ananias and says, you're, you're going to need to go meet this man named Saul. He's waiting in Damascus. He's waiting for you to come and put hands on him to restore his sight and to tell him that he is my chosen instrument to go to the Gentiles, to tell them that I'm doing this thing among them to bring grace and mercy and all the stuff that, that we talk about and get to do. He's going to lay all of this on Saul. He's going to go tell him about it. But Ananias is concerned because he's heard about this man, Saul. That his purpose in life has been to persecute the church and the holy people of Jesus and to drag them off to Jerusalem and put them into prison and to kill Stephen and all of these things that Ananias knows of Saul. Jesus is saying, I get it. That's who he was. But now I want him to be my instrument. I'm going to take Saul and show him what he must do for my name's sake. Remember, Jesus has already blinded Saul and he's waiting for Ananias. And Ananias is going to go to the city with the power of Jesus and reveal to Saul his new life's assignment. It's amazing to me how this happens to Saul and we look at it as something that happens in our life. When we are going about our business and doing things the way we think they should be done and Jesus interrupts us and says, listen, I need you to do this. It's what he was doing with Saul. It's something that, that God does throughout our world and in our own personal lives as, as we begin to get comfortable and maybe complacent as we talked about last week with Samson. Saul had become accustomed to doing things a certain way inside of a specific system and the men that he surrounded himself with had been blinded literally to who Jesus was. They saw Jesus, not as a deliverer, but as a threat. 
not as the answer to their eternity. So Ananias goes, he talks to Saul, lays hands on him, and these scales fall off his eyes, his his sight is restored, and now Saul has a new purpose in life because Jesus interrupted his life and redirected his path. Saul now has to come to some new understanding of what life will look like. It doesn't take him long. Skip down to verse 19 of chapter 9 in Acts. 19 to 22, it says, And taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't the man who, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? And yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Saul's story was powerful. His transformation was incredibly evident in that first century in the world in which they were living. They saw Saul go from persecuting and destroying the church, breathing murderous threats, being interrupted by Jesus, by being transformed, by being used as an instrument by Jesus, he was now preaching in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. His life had been radically changed. He now had a totally new message. It wasn't that Paul had never come into contact with this deliverer that he now spoke of. He just hadn't seen the evidence of it in the Old Testament as clearly as he did in this moment. He was now able to draw on all of his experience, his past teachings, and wrap them up and teach more effectively who Jesus was. Was And he could use his own story as evidence. He's now in the synagogues saying, this is who I was. Then Jesus. Now this is who I am. As Paul told his story, and we can see it in Philippians, because in Philippians chapter 4, we already know he has this list of confidence in the flesh that he was a Pharisee that he'd been born into a family that allowed him to to take on this role of piety and, and persecution. Now, if you look one more verse in Philippians chapter four, verse seven, it says, whatever was to my gain, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He puts all of that behind him. 
His position, the prestige, the power, the placement in society, all of that he considers it as rubbish so that he might pursue Christ. His transformation happened immediately in the the sight of these people. As he left Jerusalem, On his way to destroy the church, Jesus interrupted his life and turned his entire focus. These are the stories, right, of of the alcoholic that that comes to know Jesus and never has another drink. or, Or the drug addict that falls in love with Jesus and becomes an entirely new man. These are the stories that we love because it shows the power of Jesus in people's lives. But don't underestimate the power that Jesus had in your life to do the very same thing. That when you accepted Jesus into your heart and mind, He changed you. And yes, we get distracted and we weave and we bob through life and we do things that are inappropriate, but He always calls us back to be an instrument of His purpose. By the time that we read some of Paul's actual descriptions of what it was like, as he communicates to the churches Throughout the known world, he becomes a prolific author inside of our New Testament explaining what happens when you get interrupted by Jesus. By the time we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 here, Paul's explanation is very clear because we see his life. We see what he was like and what he has become. And he instructs the people in Corinth not about how to do things or, or what to do necessarily. He doesn't give them a list of things that transactionally will make you more valuable as an instrument, but he reminds them of who they are. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We have been declared righteous 
Justified. That's what that's what justification means. The most important thing for you to get your mind around and to remember in this moment in the world is that you have been declared righteous because Jesus became sin for you. He took it away that God was reconciling the world and you to himself by not counting our sins against us. But by elevating us to a place of being his ambassador. When you look back to Saul and you see him breathing these murderous threats and Jesus interrupts his life. It's clear in Acts chapter nine when Ananias goes to Saul and says, this is the man that I have chosen to be my instrument Jesus says that about Saul. And then Paul relays to us that the old is gone. Who better to live it out than a guy like Saul? The old is gone. The new has come. Forget about the old way of life. Live like a new creation. Be the instrument of God that God wants you to be. How? By being an ambassador for Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us. When we think about an ambassador, when we think about that terminology in our modern world, our minds go to faraway places or distant lands, possibly. I'm going to be an ambassador to a certain place. It doesn't have to be like that. We think of that because we think of missionaries too, but what if I'm an ambassador of Christ? If I make his appeal to the world that I am immersed in. If I am an ambassador to my family, to my wife, to my children. As though God were making his appeal through us to them. That God is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. What if I am Christ's ambassador to those I consider my friends? To church members that surround me? What do I do? How does that look? What if I am an ambassador every time I go to the grocery store? To the people that I see in the aisles? What if I am an ambassador every time I go to a restaurant and share with the waitress my time, my kindness to her? What if I am an ambassador of Christ every time I touch a keyboard for social media? What if I am an ambassador to the world by everything that I do? 
You see, Saul becoming Paul didn't lessen his passion. He was equally as passionate about persecuting the church. And God knew that his passion, what was that was what was required for him to be a reconciler of his world to God. His passion didn't change. Just his focus did. His focus was now on Jesus. The passion of his life had now focused on being an ambassador for Christ. That old way of life was now laid aside. The new creation has come. And we are now Christ's ambassadors to the world. Everything we do is to promote Jesus Christ. To help them understand that that hope comes in being reconciled to God first and then reconciling others to be that instrument that God wants us to do. This is what we get to do. This is the most important thing we need to be about. The systems and the changes and the things that have gone on in our world and the arguments that have developed are not important if people don't know Jesus. That we get to be an ambassador, that we are entrusted with this message of hope and reconciliation. And the beautiful thing is that We have a Holy Spirit. If we have trusted Jesus, we've had a Holy Spirit to help guide us, to give us wisdom and discernment, that we are now His instrument, that the Holy Spirit literally uses us as an instrument. If we are willing, He will lead us and guide us in these circumstances. And and the way that it's exemplified to our world is simply this. That we show love. That we have joy. That we help peace be something that we are about. That we show patience. That we show kindness. That we are good to others. That we are faithful and gentle and self-controlled. Saul was interrupted in his life by who Jesus was. And that old passed away and the new became so real to Paul that he understood that he was a chosen instrument, Christ's ambassador to a lost and dying world. That he was entrusted with the message of hope and reconciliation And he could pour out his life in service to the God of the universe every day by loving, by being joyful, by bringing peace to situations, by patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We need to think about this for ourselves. As we see Saul a man that no one ever would have thought would be an instrument of God for reconciliation in his world. God chose him and used him and used him in incredibly powerful ways.
God can choose to use you as well. To be an ambassador to your family, to your friends, to strangers that you pass in everyday life. And he's entrusted you with the message of hope and reconciliation for a world that needs it right now. That we as a church would be about that one thing. There are people out there that are looking to you to see how a Christian acts or believes or thinks or lives his life. And you get to be an ambassador of Christ in their life. You get to go into their life and be what Jesus would want you to be. I pray that we take it seriously. That we don't grow weary of doing good because at such a time as is right, there will be a harvest. That people will come to know Jesus and their lives will be changed and the old will pass away and the new will become real for them as well. I pray that we take that seriously. That this week you would pray about how you can be a better ambassador to the people that are in your life. That we get to be a part of this. Paul was in a privileged position to be a part of it. And he recognized and he poured his life out for that purpose. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for using us. That I know I say it a lot, but there are things that we are called to do on a daily basis that require your strength and your comfort and your guidance. I pray that we would be the loving people that we need to be, that we would show joy in our face as, as we know we have a risen Savior. It's not easy to, to be here and to be in a world that is so upside down right now. Lord, I pray that, that we would focus on being your ambassador to the people we care about that we would genuinely love them, that we would genuinely be patient with them and be kind to, to people that we run into. Lord, thank you for your strength to do this. I pray for the people here at the church, for the people that are listening online, that this would be an encouragement to them to continue doing good, to not lose sight of why we do what we do. Father, thank you for your grace in my life. Lord, thank you for my family. Lord, thank you for, for pulling me out of what could have been my future and choosing to use me as an instrument in your plan. I pray that my willingness continues to grow, that I am pushed out of my comfort and that, that you can use me in new and different ways. In Jesus' name, amen.